Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you desire to speak to me every day, guiding me in spirit and in truth to obey your word and enjoy an abundant life. I thank you that you have called me your friend, and that I may come boldly to the throne of grace to find help whenever I have a need in my life. Lord, your word says that when we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. So I draw near to you today. I seek your face, your truth, and your word for my life. I want to know you more, hear you more, and obey you more. Your word says your sheep know your voice, and we will not follow the voice of a stranger. Help me to know your voice and not be deceived by any other voice. Help me to guard my heart from the influences of this world and the people around me. Help me not to be deceived by the devil and his lies, but to view all thoughts and decisions through the lens of your righteousness. As I seek to hear you today for instruction, correction, and guidance, help me to confirm your voice through your word. You said if I ask for wisdom, you will give it to me liberally. So I am asking for wisdom in the name of Jesus to hear you clearly and consistently today and every day. Help me, Lord, to feel confident in knowing that I hear your voice. I praise you and I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Welcome back to True Patriot Ministries. I'm Chris Holgramson. It's good to be with you today. Uh, remember to check us out at truepatriotministries.org, and you can contact us via email at reachout, R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. You can also find us at the current time on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and soon YouTube. I am looking into Parlor and Rumble also. Uh, but you can also find our podcast either at the website, truepatriotministries.org slash podcasts, uh, or you can go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, and many others. Uh, probably your favorite podcast app will allow you to tune in and listen to our show. Uh, we are v- proud to say that we are indeed in four or five countries now. And uh, we ask you to help grow our podcast by sharing it with your friends and family and your work associates. Uh, We believe everybody can get a little something out of this. Uh, On Sundays, we do full podcasts. And then on Wednesdays, we have what we call ministry shorts. They are five minutes or less with our favorite scriptures. So welcome to today. I hope you are having a blessed Sunday. And today's subject is Becoming. We're going to continue the series Becoming. We're in part six, and we're going to talk about the doctrine of resurrection. And so our text for this is Hebrews chapter five, verses 12 through 14, and chapter six, verses one and two. And it says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become as such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and and evil. Hebrews 6, verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of, doc- of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and the laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So let's look at the Old Testament first, and we'll kind of take this in order here. Um, and and see the resurrections. Now, there were three resurrections in the Old Testament. And the first one was when Elijah resurrected the widow's son, and that's in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 through 24. Now, it came about after these things that the son of the woman, 
the mistress of the house, became sick, and his sickness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What do I have to do with you, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my iniquity to remembrance and to put my son to death? He said to her, Give me your son. Then he took him from her bosom and carried him up to the upper room where he was living and laid him on his own bed. So he called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought calamity to the widow with whom I am staying by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray you, let this child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the life of the child returned to him, and he revived. Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of of the Lord in your mouth is truth. So now the second incident of resurrection in the Old Testament is the Shunammite son, and this is in 2 Kings 4, 18-37. When the child was grown, the day came that he went out to his father, to the reapers. He said to his father, My head, my head. And his father said to the servant, Carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her lap until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys, that I may run to the man of God and return. The father said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. And she said, It will be well. Then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, Drive and go forward. Do not slow down the pace for me unless I tell you. So she went and came to the man of God to Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her at a distance, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Behold, there is the Shunammite. Please run now to meet her and say to her, It is well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? And she answered, It is well. When she came to the man of God, to the hill, she caught hold of his feet, and Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is troubled within her. And the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I ask for a son for my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? Then he said to Gehazi, Gird up your loins and take my staff in your hand and go your way. If you meet any man, do not salute him. And if anyone salutes you, do not answer him. And lay my staff on the lad's face. The mother of the lad said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. And he arose and followed her. Then Gehazi passed on before them and laid the staff on the lad's face. But there was no sound or response. So he returned to meet him and told him, The lad has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, behold, the lad was dead and laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both and prayed to to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on him and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house once back and forth and went up and stretched himself on him. And the lad sneezed seven times and the lad opened his eyes. He called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her and when she came in to him, he said, take up your son. Then she went and fell at his feet and bowed herself to the ground, and she took up her son and went out. So then the third incident of Old Testament resurrection is the Israelite man. And this is in 2 Kings chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. And it says, Elisha died, and they buried him. Now the bands of the Moabites would invade the land in the spring of the year. As they were burying a man, behold, they saw a marauding band. And they cast the man into the grave of Elisha, and when the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. Glory to God. Now, wouldn't that wake you up? 
you're burying somebody and you know, you've got marauders coming, you see them, you freak out, you throw the body in the grave with another person who's dead, a prophet of old. And the man you just threw in there all of a sudden through the power of the prophet pops up alive and is looking at you probably going, why am I here? And and you're probably going, why are you alive? Uh, I mean, honestly, you'd witness this miracle and, and uh, it wouldn't be something you'd be expecting to happen. But here in the Old Testament, here it happened, you know, and uh, so, yeah, I, I could just imagine. Now, the other two, not so surprising. You had the prophets um, and they were they were listening to God. They knew what God was telling them to do and they did it. And because they honored God and they followed what God told them to do, he followed he followed suit and he performed the miracle. Now, there were some resurrections as we move into the next section here. We'll, we'll talk about the resurrections in the ministry of Jesus Christ. So in the first, now this is when Jesus is walking in his ministry. So this is after he performed the miracle on the, on the water, turning it to wine. Let's go first to the widow of Nain's son. And Nain is the city. So she was known as the widow of Nain. And this is in Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 15. And it soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and this is Jesus. And his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city followed with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and he touched the coffin and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Glory to God. Could you imagine? I mean, first of all, Jesus witnessed the grief of this woman. He does what the father says, and he sees what the father sees. And the father could see that this woman was hurting. She was grieving. This is her only son. All of this information, I mean, Jesus walked up on this. He doesn't know anything about it. But because he is faithful and he is true to the father and he's in communication with the father, he hears the father telling you know, about the situation. And he sees the grief visibly on the woman. I mean, God is so good. He can feel our grief. And and it just drives his compassion. And, and so he actually stops. Now talk about authority, right? Here comes this, this rabbi up to, or priest, or whatever you want to call Jesus at the time. They called him master. So he comes up and, and they may not even know who he is, but he puts his hand on the coffin and, and the, the bearers stop. So that authority in him, they recognized it and they stopped and they allowed him to work this miracle out of the compassion of his heart. And it's just such a beautiful thing. Now, the second, the second uh, resurrection in the ministry of Jesus that we see is you know, Jairus's daughter in Luke chapter eight, and it's verses 51 to 55. And this is, he was, uh, Jairus approached him. He was coming to Jairus's daughter. And that's when the, the woman with the issue of blood interrupted and stopped the procession and everything. And then the people, his servants, Jairus's servants came up and said, don't bother the master. Your child's dead. And Jesus told him just, you know, stay in faith. Don't, Basically, just told him, don't let the, the devil steal your joy. We can still do this. And so we start in verse 55. When Jesus came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except for Peter, John, and James, and the girl's father and mother. And it tells you something. He was selective about who he allowed in there. He wanted to keep the faith high and keep the devil out. And it goes on. It says, now... They were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand and called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately. 
and he gave orders for something to be given to her to eat. Glory to God. Again, he knew what needed to be done. He put the scoffers aside, stood in faith, and performed the miracle. Now remember, he said, we will do these things, we will do also. And greater things, because he goes to the Father. So don't forget that. These are things, and I know this seems like it would be something that maybe it's out of our realm to do, but it's not. According to the Word of God, uh, these things are things that we will do. Now, in the third resurrection in Jesus' ministry, it's probably one of the most famous ones, and that's the one of Lazarus in, in John chapter 11. Uh, and it covers most of 11. We're going to do verse 1 and then jump to 17 through 44. Now, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. And in verse 17, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. So Lazarus, at this point, is already dead four days in the tomb. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So Martha... Therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to him, but Mary stayed at the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. So she had some faith. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Glory to God. He's telling her right here, I am. I am the way. I am the resurrection. I am the one with the authority who can do these things. And she didn't quite catch it. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. So he's not in a hurry. He's and I'm not saying he was being rude and taking his time and all of that, but he's he's not under pressure. This is Jesus. He's not full of care. He's not full of concern. He's not full of worry. Okay? He knows the Father, and he knows what's going to happen, and he's coming. But he was still in the place where Martha met him. Now, then the Jews who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled, and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept, full of compassion. Okay, he, he just, I'm not going to say he broke down in tears, but he wept. Okay, he could feel their grief. So the Jews were saying, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not this man who have opened the eyes of blind have kept this man also from dying? So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now, it was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, he's been in there four days. There's going to be a stench. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they removed the stone. Then Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. 
So he's he's having a conversation with the Lord, and he's having it out loud verbally so that the people can hear it, even though he himself already knows the truth of the matter. But he needed them to hear it. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped with the cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. And this was his funeral clothes, basically, his burial clothes that he was wrapped in, and they used to wrap them tight and, and cover the face. And, and so here we see, and this was Lazarus, this is probably one of the most famous resurrections in Jesus' ministry. And it's just a beautiful thing because you see so much compassion. You see the wisdom of Jesus coming out and and the confidence and the faith. His, he never doubted. He, his faith was rock solid. Okay, now he came and he modeled for us what, what the expectation is for us. And, and we know we're going to fall short, but we're growing, right? We're moving forward. We're growing. And that's the way we need to look at this is, is look at what he modeled and understand that there's going to come a point in time in your life where your faith is so, and your growth is so, that this basic fundamental, this basic, uh, as the word calls it, the elementary principles of the doctrine of Christ, so the basics, the basic foundation is so rock solid in you that this, this won't even phase you. Your faith will be there. Your belief is there. You've got the wisdom and the knowledge to understand it and to put it to use. It's just a great thing. So let's move on to, so that was a resurrections in, in the ministry of Jesus. And then we have the, in my, my viewpoint, my personal opinion, the greatest resurrection of all time. The resurrection of Jesus. And we we see this uh, in Matthew. It's it's actually in several places. Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 15. You can also look at Mark 16, 1 through 20, uh, Luke 24, 1 through 49, and John 21 through 21. It's covered in all four of the Gospels. The resurrection of the Lord our God, Jesus Christ. And... Uh, I'm not going to read through it because it's 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 a lot of verses, but just know, and and I'll get to this here in just a minute because I want to cover the resurrections after Jesus. But that is the resurrection, the greatest resurrection was the the resurrection of Jesus, and we'll we'll cover that just a little bit more here in just a moment. But we're going to skip ahead and we're going to hit the resurrections after Jesus, and these are in the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 36, going to 41, we're going to talk about Tabitha. And it says, Now in Joppa there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at the time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Leda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men to him, imploring him, Do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and went with them. When he arrived, they brought him into the upper room. And all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. But Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. Now, this is key. Notice he sent them all out because they were a distraction. They were not in faith. They were weeping. They were grieving. They were mourning. And and the distraction was not necessary. He needed to focus and have faith and and perform this miracle that he was about to perform. So it says, uh, but Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and the widows, he presented her alive. So now the second resurrection in Acts 
Some may list it as a resurrection and some may not. I believe it was, but this is the story about Paul in Acts when he was stoned. Now, and, and by stoned, I mean he was actually stoned to death. And this is Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 20. But Jews came from Antioch in Iconium, and having won over the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. Now, when you look at the Greek on this, the supposing is they believed, they deemed him to be dead, because tradition was when you got stoned to death, you were dead. There was no mistaking it. You were just, I mean, think about this. They're casting rocks, stones at you, and hitting you about the face and the shoulders and the head, uh, because that was the target was your head. And and so in the Greek, it, it, it says they deemed him dead. So they believed him to be dead at this point. And it goes on, it says, but while the disciples stood around him, he got up and entered the city. Now, I have to believe when the disciples were standing around him, they were praying over him, probably touching him, laying hands on him. And to me, this is another miracle that happened after the resurrection of Jesus. Paul, stoned to death, resurrected. Uh, And after that, I mean, look at this. Here he is. He gets stoned to death. They think he's dead. The people are praying over him. The disciples are praying over him. He wakes up, he gets up, he enters the city, and the next day he goes away with Barnabas and Derby, like nothing ever happened. I'm sure he had some bumps and bruises and he hurt, but he wasn't dead. And that's pretty cool. I like that one. That's one of my favorites in the New Testament. Uh, And the last one is Eutychus. Now, this is in Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12. We'll go through this really quick because there's some really good stuff I want to get to. It says, On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul began talking to them, intending to leave the next day, and he prolonged his message until midnight. So this is the first day of the week. They're gathering together. They're breaking bread, and Paul's basically teaching and preaching. Well, midnight rolls around, and he's still preaching and teaching. Okay, And it says, now, there were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered together, and there was a young man named Eutychus sitting on the windowsill, sinking into a deep sleep. And as Paul kept on talking, he was overcome by sleep and fell down from the third floor and was picked up dead. So Paul's preaching and teaching, and I'm not saying it was boring, but this young man had been sitting there so long. And we're talking, this is midnight and later. He'd been sitting in the window listening to Paul for so long that he fell into sleep and he fell out of the third story window and he died. So in verse 10, we pick it up. It says, but Paul went down and fell upon him. And after embracing him, he said, do not be troubled for his life is in him. When he had gone back up and had broken the bread and eaten, He talked with them a long while until daybreak and then left. They took away the boy alive and were greatly comforted. So here Paul resurrects the boy. No big deal. Go down. Bring him back to life. Go back upstairs. Let's finish breaking bread. Let's continue our conversation. And, uh, you know, the next day I got to leave. So this is important that I get all this to you. It's just miraculous. I mean, here, Paul, he, he acts like it's no big deal, and he goes back up, and he continues doing what he was doing in the first place. Now, a point I want to make is, so we've covered Old Testament resurrection. We've covered the resurrection after Jesus, right? Um, and we've covered the resurrections that Jesus performed in his ministry. Now, I want to point out that all of these people who were resurrected, they were dead. They came back to life. They were brought back to life, but they are all going to die again, or they all died again afterwards. They weren't brought back to eternal life at this point. Okay, so the only person who died one time and will never die again is Jesus. 
Now, like I said earlier, you go through Matthew chapter 28, verses 1 through 15. You go through some of the other stuff. I want to look at Revelation 1, 5 real quick. And it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. So the important thing to see there is it, it says right there, the firstborn of the dead. Now, if you look, now let's go to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. And it says, although he was a son, referring back to Jesus, he learned obedience for the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation being designated by God as a high priest to the order of Melchizedek. Now, source in the Greek is atitios. Uh, it's an adjective, and it's meaning uh, causative or a causer. So you could say that Jesus is the causer of eternal salvation. Now, Hebrews chapter 7 Let's look at 26 through 28. It says, For it was fitting for us to have such a high priest, holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens, who does not need daily, like those high priests, to offer up sacrifices, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Because this he did once for all, when he offered up himself. For the law appoints men as high priests who are weak, but the word of the oath, which came after the law, appoints a son, capital S, made perfect forever. So you might ask, you know, what does this all mean for believers? Well, one, it means eternal life. And that's a gift that we receive by grace from Jesus Christ, from the actions that he took, because he is the firstborn of the resurrected. And he goes back to Adam. Adam lost it for us. Jesus came back and won it for us. He is the victory. And we should always look upon everything in life from the position of victory, because we are joint heirs with Christ. The victory is his. That makes the victory ours. And, you know, that's that's a pretty good thing. And it's a good stance to come from. Remember, you're already victorious when you look at something. And if you don't know what the answer is, look at the Word of God. It's in there. So we have eternal life. And then let's talk about the resurrections, because there are quite a bit of information on the resurrections in here. There's uh, in First Thessalonians chapter 4, it, it speaks about the resurrection of the dead. Uh, and that'll happen before our resurrection. So it, it says, uh, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep. So that's those who are already dead. And we're talking David and Abraham and all these guys, right? Old Testament coming in the New Testament, Jesus dies, resurrected. Well, when that happens now, we have the resurrection of the dead along with the resurrection of the righteous. And it says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So the ones who have died already are the ones who are going to be resurrected first. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And uh, you can see also 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 53. So what he's talking about here is the catching away of the church. That uh, And that's exciting. So you're going to have... Uh, the ones who are already dead, they're resurrected first. And then when Jesus, when it's time, you'll have the catching away of the church. And that'll be the resurrection of the righteous. 
And then the resurrection of the unrighteous, and this is covered in John chapter 5, 28 through 29. It says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth, that they have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Next, let's look at the second resurrection of the righteous. And this is in Revelation 20, verse 4. And it says, And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads, or in their hands. And they lived, and they reigned with Christ a thousand years. So that's the second resurrection of the righteous. Then there's the second resurrection of the unrighteous. In Revelation 20, verse 5, and then in twelve, uh, verse 12 through 15. And it reads, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of these things, which were written in the books, according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and, the, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, that is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So let's cover some of the witnesses of the resurrected Christ. Because, you know, we want to answer that all-important question, was he really resurrected? So let's prove that out by Scripture. Let's go down to Mark chapter 16, and we're going to jump in in verse 9, uh, from 9 to 11. And it reads, Now, after he had risen early on the first day of the week, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene. So we have him appearing to somebody right there, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and reported to those who had been with him while they were mourning and weeping. When they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they refused to believe it. They hadn't seen him. You've heard the old adage, you believe what you see. Well, in Christianity, in born-again believers, in faith, we believe in the unseen that manifests into the seen. So, in John, let's see another witness here. John chapter 20, verses 13 through 17, it says, They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And Mary replied, They have taken my Lord away. And I do not know where they have put him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? Because she thought that Jesus was the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will take him. Now Jesus said to her, Mary. And when he said this, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, excuse me, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus replied to her, Don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go tell my brothers and tell them, go to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Now, catch this here, because at the end of that verse, he was already telling, he was already calling them his brothers. And he said, I'm going to my father, who is your father, and I'm going to my God, who is your God. The death, the burial, the resurrection already happened. Now he's come back and he wants to reinforce to them that, hey, look, we are now joint heirs. Let's look at another witness. John chapter 20, verse 19 through 20. It says, so when it was evening on the day, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, peace be with you. Now, I want you to notice a couple of things. First of all, they were inside their place 
with the doors shut because they were afraid the Jews were going to hunt them down. The doors were shut. Jesus came and stood in their midst. Now, that means he came without going through a door, through a window. He came through the walls, okay, and stood in their midst. And they didn't even realize he was with them until he said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, they noticed him. And he showed them both his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. John, uh, let's go further down in John chapter 20. Let's go to 26 through 29. It says, after eight days. Again, so this is another time frame, another witness. After eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Because Thomas wasn't with them the first time. Jesus came, the doors having been shut, and stood in their midst. And again said, peace be with you. And they noticed him. So he came in again, doors and windows secure. Only way he could come in is come through the walls. And yet he was still physical body. Then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger and see my hands and reach here your hand and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, Jesus said to him, because you have seen me, have you believed? Blessed are those who did not see and yet believed. Glory to God, that's you and me. We're blessed because we believe without having physically seen him. Uh, John chapter 21, verse 1 and verses 4 through 7. Another witness. It says, after these things, Jesus manifested himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now, this had to be so heartwarming to them because it all kind of started on the sea with the fishing. And he manifested himself in this way. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, children, you do not have any fish, do you? They answered him, no. Pay attention. And he said to them, cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat and you will find a catch. Just like the first time they met. So they cast and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great number of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his, his outer garment on, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. I mean, how much excitement that would be. Because it's going to take you right back to the first day you're standing on a boat and Jesus told you, throw your net off the right side. And, and it happens. And, and all of that goes on. And then here we are. He's, uh, he's been on the cross. He died. He was buried. He's resurrected. And, he, and they've seen him a few times. And now he's on the beach showing himself again. And, and they go through a very similar story as to what happened the first time they met. You know, you don't need fish, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And now they can't pull it up. It's so full of fish, right? And Peter, once John goes, oh my gosh, it's the Lord. Peter's like, dude. And he throws his robe on, dives in the water and swims to shore because he can't wait for the boat to get to shore. He's got to go see Jesus now. That's that's such a strong witness. Um, I could go on and on. There's a couple more. Uh, you can look at these on your own. In Acts um, chapter 1, 1 through 3, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 6 and 9, you know, there's a lot of witnesses to the fact that Jesus Christ truly was resurrected. Now, and, and it's hard to argue. Okay, so you're going to argue with one person seeing him alive, two people, the apostles seeing him alive, um, but 500 people. And it said in Scripture, there were 500 people that he manifested himself to. At one time. And so that's kind of hard to defeat. You can't say, no, he didn't get resurrected. He was resurrected. He was the first of the resurrection. And that is so important to us because that means that every promise in the word of God is true and it is ours. Glory to God. Jesus 
Mm, I'm going to get a little preachy here, and I'm sorry it's at the end because it should have been at the beginning to, to really keep you interested. But good Lord, Jesus Christ went to the cross. He died for us. He was buried. He was resurrected. Now, when he was buried, he went down to the pit of hell, and he defeated the devil. He made a show of the devil. Glory to God. He embarrassed the devil. That's how bad he whooped him. It was a butt whooping. And, and you know, hey, we're talking bigger than Popeye, can of spinach, bring it out, pop the muscles, kick some butt. No, this is bigger and badder than that. Jesus Christ went to hell. And he he went down there, and he was down there three days. And he, he just, mm, he just tore up the devil. Such an embarrassment, not just the devil, but all these cohorts, okay? And he paraded them around. Talk about some authority. He paraded them around. No wonder the devil's mad. He got his butt kicked. And he can't defeat Jesus. And because we're now in Jesus, he can't defeat us. Only we can defeat ourselves. By not knowing the word of God. By not getting grounded, hence this series, by not getting grounded in the elementary principles of Christ, of the doctrines of Christ. You've got to get grounded in these things. Okay? We'll go right back over. Let me find page one here. Read our text one more time. These are the things you need to be grounded in. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again. So these are the things that we don't need to repeat. We need to get these done so that we can move on. Okay. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead. And in our next episode, the eternal judgment. These are the foundations that we need to get so rock solid and we can move on from these. Okay. And, and, the power, the authority of Jesus Christ. That's ours because we're joint heirs. Glory to God. The blood of the lamb has washed us clean, white as snow. It doesn't matter how we came into this. As soon as we made that mental decision, that repentance from dead works, that decision to turn around and say, God, I'm yours. Jesus, I accept you. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. And when we receive him into our heart, that blood washes over us. It doesn't matter what state we were in prior to that. Once that blood hits us and washes us over, glory to God, we are clean as white as snow. That's salvation. It's, it's a, you know, they're always talking about you got a fresh start, a new start, start over. Now, this is the only start over right here. Glory to God. This is your fresh start in Jesus. And if you haven't received him yet, by God, receive him. There is so much here for you. Praise the Lord. Mm. Glory to God. He gets me fired up. I know what I've got in Jesus. I'm a joint heir. I'm above. I'm not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. Glory to God. No, No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Okay. All that I lay my hand to prospers. Glory to God, for I'm like a tree that is planted by the rivers of water. There is so much in the Word of God. There are 66 books full of the wisdom and the knowledge, the understanding of God. And it's all yours. Pick it up. Read it. If you don't have one and you can't afford one, contact me. I'll figure out a way to get one to you. Okay? Just glory to God. And stay tuned. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I will let you know. There's a lot of things going on with Facebook right now. Everybody knows it with the elections and all the junk that's going on. Stay in faith. Stay in prayer. Uh, There's a strong possibility that we'll be moving away from Facebook and away from Twitter and Instagram uh, those those kinds of avenues. And uh, so I want you to know the website. Because if you don't find me on Facebook, go to the website, truepatriotministries.org. Okay? That will stay. That's not going anywhere. 
And for veterans uh, or family and military, if you're familiar with RallyPoint, that's another app that you can get into. And uh, I am on RallyPoint by my name, Chris Halgrimson. I'm not on there by True Patriot Ministries, but I do share uh, the majority of my True Patriot Ministry posts. I share there also. And it's a great place to go. So if you do go on there, or if you're already on there, and you didn't realize I was on there, feel free to reach out to me. Again, uh, this Becoming series, I'm really enjoying this. This is the elementary principles of the doctrine of Jesus Christ, and we need to get them locked in. we got one more coming. Uh, that'll be next Sunday. It's Eternal Judgment. And don't forget that on Wednesdays, we do our ministry shorts. So make sure you're getting those also. It's five minutes or less with your favorite uh, scriptures. And if you have scripture suggestions or scriptures you want to hear about, learn about, be sure to reach out to me at reachout, R-E-A-C-H-O-U-T, at truepatriotministries.org. That's the best way to get hold of me. Um, or if you're on Rally Point, just locate me, send me a message. I, I really do enjoy getting scriptures so that I can share things that you want to learn about, as well as things that I'm I'm already led to teach about. So again, I want to thank you for joining us on this Sunday. And uh, you know what? You have a blessed day and a blessed week. Keep your head up, stay strong, stay in faith, keep in prayer. And uh, God bless. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men.